You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is Inside Purple and Gold. Welcome back to Inside Purple and Gold. I'm Dane Mizutani, joined today by Ben Raven. He covers the Detroit Lions for MLive. I'm happy to have him on the show today. Ben, we talked a little bit about that Week 3 matchup um, in, the, in the last segment, kind of touched on it. Um, that's, that one still eats at Dan Campbell, huh? I think I saw a quote yesterday. Um, what was the quote? What, what, how does he kind of <laughs> perceive that one still? It seemed like a quintessential Dan Campbell quote from, from yeah. the block. I got it right in front of me. So we were on the same wavelength there. He just said, he was asked about it. Like, how do you feel about that one? He just said, look, it burns. Of course it burns me. I mean, that will be there until the day I die. That's not going to go away. (laughs) So, uh, I mean, because he really puts that one on himself for some of his fourth down decisions in that game. Like he is really 100% taking the blame. I failed my players. I did not put us in a position to win that game. And it's like, since that point, I mean, he has remained aggressive, but you have seen growth from him. He has punted from the 50-yard line a couple of times, which is always very surprising. He's mm-hmm. starting to settle for kicks with Michael Badley kind of settling in. You're reigning special teams player of the week, which is kind of crazy to a team that was working out five kickers a month ago. Sure. But, um, yeah, that, that one – and it does because, I mean, shoot, there was about 25 seconds worth of pauses inside of that quote the way he said it. I mean, that one stings. I mean, I think that one really changed him, really taught him some lessons and kind of helped him involve as a coach. So, yeah, that's a bulletin board game, I would say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, thinking back to that game, like, he did cost the Lions. Like, he, And I'm, and that's, that's good that he's able to kind of wear that and be accountable for that because you see it so many times with, with NFL coaches throughout. It's – getting questioned about decision-making post game and just turning that around on the reporter. Like you don't know anything. So it's like the fact that he was able to kind of see, because it was plain as day with, with some of the decisions he made. um, The fact that he was grown, has grown from that. um, I I think it's a good thing because there's no, there's no question about it. Um, He makes a couple of decisions. If he makes the objectively correct decisions in those moments in that game, they win because they were better than the Vikings for, Call it 52 <laughs> minutes of the game. Yeah. Uh, 52 minutes they dominated, and for eight minutes they did not. So. I mean, before he even took a question after that game, his opening statement started, that's on me. I failed our players. I mean, before we'd even talk to him. But, yeah, I mean, you talk about games this team feels like they should have won. 
this one and the Miami Dolphins game, yeah. those two are the ones that absolutely haunt this team for sure. <laughs> That's, I mean, it's nice like like that you said you guys have been able to see tangible growth because that was, I mean, anyone who watched Hard Knocks, I feel like has been rooting for Dan Campbell to succeed. And when he does things like he did against the Vikings and, and <laughs> in the in the Dolphins game as well, like you're like this guy just might not succeed. But like over the past five weeks, you've seen the growth. Like yep. you said, you guys who are there every day have seen the tangible growth from that week three loss to now week whatever twelve thirteen we're in. So I mean, I'm happy for for him to, to that he's been able to kind of harness that and grow from that. And it, it's you see it. Every coach is mm-hmm. is learning on the fly. Like no one is perfect. So the fact that he's been able to do that is good because I think the Vikings, looking back on that game, they know they stole one. Um, they absolutely know they stole one. And and it's obviously a different team that they're going into Detroit to face this weekend. Why has the line flipped? It started at, at, at minus two and a half Vikings. Now it's minus, minus two and a half Detroit. Do you have any theories on how that has flipped completely on its head? If any fan base had reason to say Vegas hates them, it's the Minnesota Vikings. Because like that, <laughs> Vegas is like rejecting everything the Vikings have done this year. I, like I've checked the lines on the Vikings, I feel like, five weeks in a row. And it's been like, why are they like three and a half favorites on the Jets with Mike White? Like this, I know they're winning close games. I know it's not always pretty. Yeah. I know they've had some miracles go down where they've been dominated for 55 minutes and won the game. But like this is still a good team. Like I, I, I just like – I. It's fascinating. I was shocked to see that. Like on one hand, there is a part of me that expects the Lions to win this game, but then there's that other part of me that's like, why would the Vikings be underdogs in this game? Yeah. Like everything that's led to this point, even with the Lions' hot streak, the Vikings have been hotter. The Vikings have been hot. You know, I mean, they're ten and two, right? They can uh-huh. clinch. They've been able to clinch the division the last two weeks. I just think. Uh, I don't think the Vikings are one of the elite teams in the NFL, but I do think they deserve a lot more respect than that. So I was pretty surprised by that. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I was too. Um, but then at the end of the day, like every week I've been surprised, like Vegas has basically proved me right. wrong because <laughs> the Vikings continue to play these close games, whether they cover or not. Even last week, I think they were two and a half point favorites over the Jets at home. I'm thinking that's that's a crazy line. Vegas is going to lose a lot of money here. And then they jump out to 17-3 and, and they're dominating and – of course, it becomes a really, really close game. Jets almost win in the final seconds. Vegas had the line pretty close to right. So, if I know one thing about the Vikings, they're going to be—it's going to be a close game this weekend. And if it's not going to be a close game, it's not going to be because they're winning. It's going to be because they're getting blown out because they're two losses this year: the Philly in Week Two, not close, and two. The Cowboys, four days before Thanksgiving, a 37-point beatdown. They do not blow teams out. They only get blown out by teams. So if the Lions win this weekend, I think it'll be well over you know, the two-and-a-half to cover. Um, I think it's going to be close. Um, the, like you mentioned, Ben, the, the Vikings can't clinch this weekend. 
a lot of their success, and I'm not breaking any news here because this has been the recipe for success all year, is going to be can you get Justin Jefferson going? Because mm-hmm. they couldn't in, in week three. If you could think back to that game, was it just Okuda or were they were they helping over the top? Like, how were they able to limit Justin Jefferson in week three? Because not many teams have. I think that stretch between week two against the Eagles when Darius Slay kind of shut him down and week three against the Lions when probably a combination of people shut him down. That's his worst stretch of the year. Since then, just a dominant season. You know, I think he can flirt with 2,000 if he continues to kind of put uh, some good games together over the final five weeks of the the regular season. That's how the Vikings are going to win the game. How are the Lions going to stop him? Yeah, it's because it, it's interesting because that Vikings game last time, I mean, that was a career low performance for yeah. Jefferson, 14 yards. And it, it was Okuda, like he was the man assignment on him, shadowing. It was the first time we saw Jeff Okuda ever really shadow someone like that. But mm-hmm. oh my God, the shift to that, wherever Jefferson was, the defense was shifted. Like gotcha. Okuda, Okuda played a great game, like without question, played hard, played physical, did everything he needed to do. But there was a lot of help and there was a lot of help for a reason, too, because that was the game that the Lions lost starting safety team captain Tracy Walker to that torn Achilles injury for the season. So, I mean, they had I think they had a third round rookie and an undrafted rookie at safety. So it was kind of just like watch him shade that side of the field. But, yeah, Okuda played great. And I, I just think. He's the type of guy who can stifle receivers like that because he's very underratedly physical. Like Okuda might be one of the best cornerbacks already against the run in the mm-hmm. league. So it's like, and that was one of those games where he was able to take that physicality against the run and kind of morph it into those first five yards on Jefferson. He had some help, but he really was able to contain him for the most part. And I mean, sure that defensive strategy worked on Jefferson, but it came back to haunt them on that KJ Osborne touchdown in the final two minutes there without yeah. the safety help on that side. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's hard to say that they'll be able to replicate that, but they're sure going to try. And uh, But th- they recognize that they're a much different defense from that point too. So it's going to look different, but um, I see no reason to think that it's going to be Jeff Okuda, Justin Jefferson again this weekend. So, you know, I mean, we might, we might be watching that for the next six, seven, eight, nine years. So buckle up. Yeah. I guess we'd be <laughs> so lucky to be watching that because anytime you can see, the top tier receiver go up against exactly. the top tier corner. We saw it last week with Sauce, and Sauce Gardner didn't follow. He didn't shadow Jeff, Jeff Jefferson last week. Um, but anytime they were matched up against each other, it was physical at the line. And it was if Justin Jefferson was technically winning, he wasn't winning by much. So yeah. I'm excited to see that matchup this weekend. I don't think Vikings fans are excited to see any matchup that involves Amon Ross St. Brown because <laughs> I don't think there's anyone on the Vikings that can cover this dude. You mentioned how the Lions are a different look defense than they were earlier in the season. The Vikings are not. They give up a ton of yards. They hemorrhage yards. They just somehow find a way to make a big play when it matters, um, whether it be a turnover, a sack, a deflection, forcing a field goal rather than allowing a touchdown. They've been good in those situations of the bend don't break. I don't think that's necessarily a good recipe because, as you've seen in the game against Dallas, Sometimes you just break. You don't bend at all. Um, I don't think anyone can cover Amon Ross St. Brown. Um, what what do you kind of project from him? Because he's just tearing it up the last two weeks. And, and really, since he's gotten healthy as a whole, yeah. he's been very consistent. And since that game in Chicago where the yeah. offense made a conscious effort to say, oh, yeah, let's run our offense through this guy. 
Mm-hmm. He's been absolutely lights out. I mean, honestly, I could sit here and he's going to see double-digit targets. He's probably going to tap 100 yards. He's probably going to have 8, 9, 10, 11 catches because everything they do goes through him. Mm-hmm. And now it's easier than ever with DJ Chark healthy stretching the field, with Josh Reynolds healthy on the other side stretching the field. Jamison Williams is going to play a lot more than eight snaps this weekend. And yeah. like he hasn't caught a pass yet, but he's might be the fastest player in the NFL on day one, somebody that safeties have to account for. And I mean – like I said earlier, St. Brown and Jared Goff, the best first down percentage in the NFL, the best third down conversion rate in the NFL. I think he's got – he had two touchdowns last week. He had a touch – yeah, his stats since that Chicago game. I mean, this is kind of who we thought he was going to be. 37 catches on 41 targets in four games, 431 yards, three touchdowns. He's a threat in the rushing. I mean, everything they do, he is – he is the focal point of this offense. You will see him get carries out of the backfield. You will see him get swing passes out of the backfield. And, I mean, I, he is one of the best – I mean, he's one of the 10 best wide receivers in the NFL. Yeah. Like, I, that feels like a hot take, but the way he's playing and the way he's playing right now and the way he's consistently doing it, I mean, he's not going to destroy you over the top in the vertical game, but he is uh, nearly impossible to cover in like the 15 yard line and on in the red zone. I mean, he's, he's tough. I know you're getting Dantzler back over there, but I mean, whew, St. Brown's a problem. He's a problem. I, I tend to agree with you that he is a top 10 receiver and it's funny, right? Because the only reason he's not recognized as a top 10 receiver nationally is because he was a fourth round pick last year. If he was a first round pick last year and he's doing this (laughs) and putting up these numbers, people would be like, Oh my God, look at this guy. It's, you saw it with Justin Jefferson. He came on, well, week three of his rookie year he was really his coming out party. And then he really just hit the afterburners in, in the final stretch of the regular season as a rookie. And from that point forward, it was like, this guy is a bona fide top 10 receiver. Yeah. Amon Ross St. Brown's not getting that national respect, probably because he was just a late round pick and people are trying to kind of find ways to explain his success. At some point, we just have to accept that he is just a damn good receiver. <laughs> top um, so I agree with you, Ben. I don't think that's a hot take at all. Um, but before I let you go, we got to talk about Jamison Williams because yeah, yeah. while the all these guys that we've talked about, whether it's Aiden Hutchinson on defense or Monroe St. Brown on offense, like the Vikings are going to have to deal with these players for a decade plus to come. Jamison Williams is a more interesting case study to me because the Vikings gave the Lions Jamison yeah, Williams that's right. yeah. at the draft. <laughs> the Vikings were on the clock. Jamison Williams was on the board as we've seen this year they could really use a second receiver to kind of help with an aging out Adam Thielen. And instead of drafting Jamison Williams, or instead of drafting a guy like Kyle Hamilton, who's been really good with the Ravens this year at the safety position, they traded the pick to Detroit. They moved back in the first round quite a bit. And Jamison Williams fell into the lion's lap. Um, Credit to lion's brass for making that move. How good can this kid be? Like how much have you, I mean, he's been hurt all year, obviously. Um, but what is his ceiling? Because I think he's someone who Vikings fans are going to look at five years from now and be like, damn, he could be ours. His ceiling, I mean, just because we know so little right now, his ceiling is as high as you want it to be. Yeah. yeah. I mean, honestly, because the combination of his speed, his length, and just, I mean, he's fast. That's what I can tell you right now, because that's pretty much all I've seen from him. He's rusty. He's dropped a lot of passes in practice and in pregame has not really done much in a game, but my goodness, he's, uh, he's already the fastest player I've ever seen on like a practice field in the NFL. Like it's, it's, it's noticeable. It's very noticeable. And it's just, 
when you put him in an offense with St. Brown, who can yeah. do all the other stuff, everything else. And then you have Swift out of the backfield, who they like to use out of the slot. And you use Williams. It's really easy to see Jamison being a downfield threat on three to four targets for the rest of the season. But you're talking next year. I mean, it's going to be fully unleashed. I mean, yeah. he's going to be in with St. Brown as the top mm-hmm. two guys. And it's just like to have two guys that different, that good on other sides of each other, it's just uh, – it makes the ceiling even higher for me. I mean, this is a potential 1,200 plus yard a guy a season. He's a potential. Jared Goff had a hard time comparing him to someone, but it's just kind of like throughout Brandon Cooks. Well, Jameis Williams is taller and a more complete wide receiver than Brandon Cooks, so his ceiling's yeah. pretty stinking high. It's just like once he once he gets clicking, once they figure out the quarterback, is it Goff? Is it a rookie? Where are they going with that? I mean, this kid's gonna be he's gonna be a problem because he's got no matter how rusty he is or how long it takes him to get into the kind of form as a receiver, he's got a elite, elite top level, a tangible, and that's mm-hmm. going to come into effect with a team that's got so many different style weapons like the lions. They will find ways to use them. They've been itching to throw that ball downfield. They've been trying to throw it downfield to DJ Chark all year and it ain't been yeah. connecting. So you put Williams in those targets next year. And it's really easy to see that vision. For sure. Real quick, less than a minute because yeah. I know I told you I'd leave you with Jameson, but we have not talked about TJ Hawkinson yet. I was just thinking it too, so yeah. go for it. Yeah. <laughs> Were you surprised that trade went down? I, I feel like maybe I didn't bring him up because it just kind of feels like he's been a part of the Vikings forever because he was able to assimilate so quickly. Um, but I remember when that trade happened, I was like, I didn't even know he was available. Were you surprised that the, the, the Lions were willing to move off a guy like that and trade within the vision? I didn't expect it, but he was definitely the guy on the roster who was the most tradable, the most likely to be traded, because just from my shoes, it just really became evident that they weren't going to offer a long-term extension. They weren't just going to go for that. And it's kind of like, well, it's going to happen. It's going to be now or this time next year. And they're looking at this as a long-term rebuild. I think they were at one and five, one and six or whatever, going to the deadline. So move up in the draft some more, but, um, just uh, I was I was surprised to see another in division trade for yeah. sure like that. I mean, I, I think the question was asked like, "Gosh, you're fighting for their playoff lives, and now you're doing it against the team that was already pretty good, and you gave them a Pro Bowl tight end." Yeah. So uh, definitely surprised. Uh, but hey, I mean, I think you guys have seen it. He's a very very impressive receiving tight end. I mean, yes. he's not the blocker he was advertised as coming out of Iowa. He's not Kittle Light like he was kind of advertised was as the top ten pick. But I mean. When he's on his game and he's clicking, he's one of the five best receiving tight ends in football. And I just think the marriage between him and Kirk Cousins, that is such a good fit. Like, that is such a good fit. Like, they're the Vikings, you got Mike, they use the play action so much. They're like using it more than ever this year, it feels like. And that's where mm-hmm. Hawkinson, because the one thing he does really well, he's a really good block seller. He's yep. really good at falling down. He's really good. at. It's just an ideal fit. So looking at it now, it is kind of funny how it's all gone because it does feel like he's been there forever. Like it, it just feels like a fit. But yeah, it was. he was definitely their most tradable because they just didn't have assets to move up in the draft. And it's like, this is a long-term rebuild. And they have not like used their tight end since they yeah. traded Hawkinson. I mean, they have like three or four touchdowns in the four-game sense, but I think they've done that on like seven targets. So it's like you see the vision – all right, trade that really good receiving tight end. Let's get some blocking-minded guys, rely on the running back and the receivers, and that's what's happened. I think it's a kind of like the Stafford golf trade turning into a win-win. Yeah, for sure. And, and you're right. Like You've seen a tangible shift where they're force-feeding the ball to Monroe St. Brown. 
hard to argue with that recipe. Ben, thank you so much for joining us. Um, Enjoy the game this weekend. It'll be close. So I don't think the stories will be written until the final (laughs) gun. I can promise you that. Um, But everyone, you can follow Ben at Benjamin S Raven on Twitter. Um, Once again, we thank him for, for joining us. I know he's got to get out to the facility probably get there early because it sounds like it's going to be packed you gotta you gotta find right, your seat gotta get so, my chair. <laughs> yeah ben thanks so much um and uh we'll, we'll talk again soon awesome thank you